0: Well, we're, we're looking at one verse, which is from Song of Songs, chapter 6. Uh, you can look it up. I think it's going to be up on the screen. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. I am his, and he is mine. Song of Songs is this very intimate, rather embarrassing, book about romantic love. And for throughout the ages has been seen as a picture of Christ and his church. So a picture of Christ and us. So even this morning we had that prophetic word of God saying to us, I think you're beautiful and then we sing a song saying, we think you're beautiful. And uh, we're all very intimate. And of course. In the New Testament, then we see when Paul starts talking about marriage, at one point he says, and this is a mystery, of course I'm talking about Christ and his church. And he thought, well, I thought you were talking about marriage. So the two actually do go they, over one another, and we can see in marriage and that romantic love, a picture of God and his church. And that's what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to dive in from this verse, and then... I walked it through this morning, so I think I know the way from there through along to a place at the end where I really want us all to be able to say, without any constraints, without any restraint on our saying, we are yours, wholeheartedly yours. Not holding anything, you can have everything except, I quite like that to just stay the way it is if that's right, but us just to say we're yours. And give ourselves to Him. And also be saying, fill us. Come to us. Your hours. Come. Without any constraint saying, as long as you don't do that, or as long as you're not gonna do that, or just, I'd love us to get to that point. So that's where we're going. This is where we're starting. I mean, you can meet us there at the end in half an hour if you want. But best if we all stay together and then we'll see. I've got some things to point out along the way. And I think it'll be fun. Because it is an amazing thought, this. In fact, we would never say it if it wasn't in Scripture. I'm his, he's mine. I mean, what a swap. He gets me, I get him. Okay, he gets you, you know you. You know the deal that you're getting, right? We know something of him. Not everything, but the things we see, when we see clearly, make us worship. Oh, God, you are so majestic. You are amazing. You're wonderful. Your love melts my heart. When we see anything about him clearly, it brings us to worship. When we look at ourselves... Best not to for too long. There are murky places if you start looking into your own heart. Best to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit when he's kind of convicting you of something. Just to wander around in the depths of your heart is a depressing place to be. We know ourselves. We catch a glimpse of him. And then we see this verse. I'm his. He's mine. I want us to be in awe of that as we look through it and just think, so let's think to start with, in what way am I his? This is the easier part of it, actually. In what way am I his? And you immediately think, well, I'm his because he made us. If you make something, it's yours. We were clearing out my mum and dad's house and coming across all sorts of things we made as children. And, uh, The rule was, if you made it, it's yours. You've got to get rid of it. So this kind of grotesque figure that's made out of clay, I'm saying to Andrew, my brother, it's yours, you made this. He says, i never made that, that's yours. You know, if you made it, it's yours. He made us. He made us. There is no such thing. We come come across the term sometimes, a self-made man or woman. And what we mean is basically they... They made their money by their work. They didn't inherit it. There's a self-made man. He's a, she's a self-made woman. But actually, Paul kind of punctures that whole idea. What have you got, he says, that you didn't receive? And it's true. We, we kind of, when we burst out and we're alive, as we come to consciousness, we've been made. It's all been done. I always think of that as Adam. I mean, he must have been full of vigor when he and Eve were first made, you know, wanting to get on with something. And their their first day is a day off, basically. What is there to do, God? Well, I've done it. I've finished it. There's an old hymn that says, "Without our aid, He did us make." It punctures any pride whatsoever. What is there to do? Well, nothing really. I guess on Monday or on Sunday. Take a day off, and then next week you can name everything if you really want to. <laughs> you know, that's that's it's done. He made us, and we are His. We belong to Him. But amazingly, there's more in Scripture than that. It isn't just that He made us. As if that wasn't enough, He made everything. I mean, everything's Him. Whether you, everything's His, whether you believe in Him or not. His demand on everybody's life is ultimate. He made you. You are his. Okay, That is true of everybody in the world and everything. He made it all. But not only that, he then the Bible tells the story of he bought it. Can you imagine a story? The Bible isn't quite like this, but can you, you can imagine a story of somebody painting a painting that's theirs it being stolen or them selling it and then them buying it back and then being able to say, it's twice mine. I painted it and I bought it. It's mine. Well, God never lost us. His right to us as as maker was always there, but we fell. And then the Bible talks about this price that has been paid for us. So two times in the New Testament, very specifically, um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul, so 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Paul actually says, You are not your own. You realize that your body is now no longer yours. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. And then, yes, you. Do you, know you not know that your bodies are a of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. A price has been paid. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 1, 18-19. You can put that up as well. That's very helpful. You see that Peter is saying, he tells us then the price, something about the price that has been paid. He makes us remember this incredible price that has been paid, not with precious stones, but with the blood of Christ. A price has been paid for you. I don't know if you watch every now and again by accident we might have on um, Antiques Roadshow. And you're only watching it for two moments, really, aren't you? One is where somebody brings something that they say has been in the family for generations. It's obviously very precious. And then the, the person has to say... And they're always very tactful about how it's sentimental value, not worth, I wouldn't insure it if I were you, but it's in- sentimental value, and the person takes it away, and you know they were thinking, if it had been worth 5,000, they would have sold it like that. But, and then there's the other moment, there's the other moment where you just... You just think there must be somebody in the country going kind of, Alf, Alf, you know that revolting thing that you sold at the car boot sale? It's just been valued at half a million pounds. You want, you know, the value of something. Can you, we, we've been purchased. We've been purchased at a price. Now, there is a danger in this. That then we begin to think, I'm so valuable. You know, you can buy a loaf of bread with a diamond. It just means you really want that loaf of bread. doesn't mean that you go around saying, this loaf of bread is worth millions of pounds. You just think, wow, that loaf of bread really belongs to the person who bought it with a diamond. And that's actually the, the balance where... These scriptures are used. It's not so much saying you are worth ever such a lot. What it's saying is you are really God's. You belong to somebody else because he bought you with, at such a price. I mean, he made you. You were his anyway. But then he bought you at such a price. You are his. Because the danger we can get into is almost thinking like, I really like me and God really likes me. Actually, me and God have that in common. I really like God because he and I agree on how valuable I am. That is a danger. We can quite easily kind of begin to slip into that and even think that when it says we love God because he loved us first, that it's almost like we're coming in line with him. Well, I love me as well, God. So you and I have got that in common. We can walk together and have some fun together because we obviously really like me. And we've got to be careful, that that is not the way this particular truth is used in the New Testament. The truth is, you've been bought with such a price, it doesn't then say, you're worth so much. What it says is, you are not your own. You don't belong to you. You (laughs) You don't belong to you. That is so foreign to our way of thinking in this culture. My life my rights, me, mine, what I'm going to do with my life, my dreams, my hopes. And then the gospel, which is good news, comes and says, you've been bought with such a price, wow, he loves me. You don't belong to yourself anymore. So those, when Paul introduces himself at the beginning of letters, he often just says, I'm a slave of Christ. Often that's translated servant, but it's the same word, actually. We we lower it because slavery touches things that we don't particularly like, but actually it is I'm a slave of Christ he bought me, I'm not my own, He's. I'm now his you don't belong to yourself you are his and so the the picture on the cross is of a price being paid, get into trouble when you kind of begin to think well who's it being paid to here in some sense, it's being paid. Well, we now have no rights. A price has been paid. It's not ours anymore. If ever it was ours, now it's been bought and it's not ours. Peter uses it that we were slaves to the foolish thinking of the world. And now we've been bought, we're his. The emphasis is that we are now his. Whoever we were, or whatever it was before, now we're his, made and bought. There's another way in which we're his. Because the other picture of the cross isn't just a price being paid, it's a victory being won. That Christ was winning a victory, and what does he get for his prize is us. Part of the answer is that. We are his reward. He's bringing many sons into glory, many brothers, many sons are being brought into glory and daughters because of his reward. So the psalm, when the psalmist says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, that is a messianic psalm where the Messiah, the anointed one, is saying, right, in my victory, this is what I want. I want the nations. And so Christ, in his victory, what he gets is, And that in heaven there are a multitude that no one can count. He gets us. Now there is, sometimes things don't work out and it doesn't seem fair, but there is, Christ is definitely going to get his reward. He is definitely going to get his reward. He gets us. His, His glorious inheritance in the saints. He gets us. We are his because he's won a victory for us. We're his because he's paid a price for us. We are his because he made us. And none of this sounds romantic, does it? It all sounds like it's a great story. He bought her for so much money, you know, and he won this victory and he got her. He made her. None of that seems very romantic. But do you amazingly, having made us... And won us. And paid for us. If you're, if you're a Christian, you know your own story of how he, he wooed you. And melted your heart. And there was that moment where you said, Yes, Lord, I'm yours. I mean, like heaven was waiting for that. I mean, what... It's amazing. He made us. He bought us. We were his. And yet, as in sense, he, he knocks at the door. If anyone opens, I'll come in and I'll have, I'll eat with you. He's knocking at the door of a house that he built, an house that he paid for. It's his. And yet, we know that story of his. How he, do you know that story? And my story is that as a nine year old boy, having been in Sunday school, We've been taught by Sue Lockyer, was said one she said, I'm adopted, you know. And I was shocked. I thought we knew her parents. And then she said, No, I've been adopted into God's family. And she told me she told this group about how she became a Christian and and I'm listening. And it makes sense for the first time. And that Sunday night with my mum, I'm saying, Did you know Sue lockyer has been adopted into God's family? And mum says, yeah, I, I know, that happened to me. And that's what it means to become a Christian. And I say, could I be adopted into God's family? And mum says, yes. Of course she's going to. And you say, well, let's wait a bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> mum says, yes. So as a nine-year-old, I give my life to Jesus. As a 12-year-old member, remembering it and being baptised. And I remember God bringing that to mind again and again through my life. Do you remember you gave me your life? Oh, yes, Lord, I remember. Well, this is what I want to do with it now. I gave my life to Jesus. My life. He made it. He bought it. He won it. And then there's that moment where, yes, God, you can have it. We are his by choice as well. I hope you know that. You are his anyway. But by choice, you come those moments. I God wants to remind some people, all of us, but particularly, he takes our words very seriously. Took my words as a nine-year-old very seriously. You know that deal we made when you were nine? You mean that still stands now? I didn't even know about mortgages and cars and m- marriage and it was nine. Yeah, but you gave me your life. Well, now this is what I want to do with it. Let's go this way. I want. He wants to remind us. We've given him our life. Remember, you are not your own. The decision that's in front of you is about him, not you. It's all his. It's not your money, it's his. It's not your life, it's his. We had um most amazing time in when we were in Buxton and um, we were going for a building. I was thinking of this a couple, couple of times recently. I told the people in group this, this week. We had one guy in the church who had been doing Alpha for... Um, we did a 10 week Alpha course he'd done all of Alpha, loved it lots of big discussions and um, loved coming along to the church his wife was a Christian loved our barbecues and loved being with us and the fun and then at the day away when we talked about the Holy Spirit I prayed for him and he just says, I don't believe that I love it, I love you I love the church i love the story i love it to be true i don't believe though i just don't believe what do i do if i don't believe he said and i thought i don't know i'm just going to pray that god saves you and so we pray and I, I didn't really know what to do i'm sure i didn't say the right things. so we just prayed a couple of weeks later was our gift day in the church we had two gift days one to buy this building in bucks and one to do it up and um we're praying for the gift day as elders. And I'm praying for £100,000. So I'm just thinking money. So I go around the elders. What have we got faith for? And let's pray. Alan Snuggs, one of the elders, says, well, I'm really believing that John Hewitt, this guy, will become a Christian on Sunday at our gift day. Um, it was a really annoying answer, because you can't get angry with that kind of answer, can you? But, <laughs> but I wanted a figure. I wanted money number. And he says, that's great. You can't say anything. So let's pray. And as we're praying, this prophetic word comes. God says, I am coming to your gift day. And I am going to outgive all of you. And you're going to have salvation and healing and gifts of the Spirit. And you'll get your money. It was like the money was a non-issue. He was coming. And I'm going to outgive us all. Now, little we no, John had a pot of money put aside for a business opportunity, just if things didn't work out the way he was walking. He had a bit of money. And um, he says to Amanda, his wife, I'm going to give. I'm going to give out of that pot. I, I could think of like the idea of having a building in town and a church. I'm going to give a bit of money from that. And she says to him on the Saturday night, how much are you going to give? And he says, this is his story, as she asks him the question, this thought comes to mind that isn't his, which is just, give everything. That was what came to mind. He didn't know where it came from. It wasn't his thought. Give everything. So he comes along to the meeting thinking he's putting a check. I have no idea how much that was, but thinking he's going to put a check in the offering. He God met with him that morning. During the worship, Alan just said, can I pray for you? And put his hand on him. This didn't happen in our, in, when we were in Buxham much at all. And he is like, the power of God comes on him. And he's on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Chairs go everywhere. And he, when he gets up, he comes over to me and says, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what he was. He was God's. God made him and God bought him. And then he came to a moment where he gave everything. just the revelation of God, I'm going to give everything. It wasn't actually about the money. He gave everything. You've given everything. That was the deal, because we'll see, we get him. We get him. He is ours. We get him. That's what the the New Testament. I mean, sit there in the Old Testament, he's our he's the Redeemer of the people of Israel. He's bought them. He's Israel is called the inheritance of God because of the victory that he's won for them. That's transferred in the New Testament. A mystery that was not seen in the Old Testament is now revealed that it's not just about Israel. It's now about the people of God. We too are included in this. We become the redeemed of the Lord, who can sing songs. We become His inheritance, and we get Him. That was the deal for the priests in the Old Testament as they're dividing up the land. What am I going to get? Well, you'll get this part, Dan. You get this area, and you, Judah. You get this area, and Levi. You get, Levi. You get me. I'll be your inheritance. I mean, what a prize to get the land or to get him. Moses has already done that deal in his own heart. When on the mountain, God says, "I'm not. Com- you can have the land. I'm not coming with you. I'll send an angel. An angel will go before you and take you into the land." And Moses on the mountain says, "No. If you don't come, I'm not going." Because for Moses, it wasn't about the land. It wasn't about stuff. It was about God. Unless you come, I'm not moving from this place. Moses re- realized the value. He'd been face to face with God. He knew something of the glory of God. Show me your glory, Lord. I want to see you. Well, I'll have to protect you, Moses, if you're going to see that. Hide there, and I'll just you can just see the back of me. Moses was besotted with God and knew that the prize was him and so for the priests to kind of that, to demonstrate that that their inheritance or well, they got cities and they got some tithes and bits and pieces their inheritance actually was the lord he was their inheritance and then in the new testament we see that is that the father gives the son we have a giving god and he gives all sorts of good gifts, but the greatest gift he gives, that he can give, is himself. The Father gives the Son. The Father and the Spirit. The Father and the Son give the Spirit. So the Spirit is poured out. We get him. And he is our inheritance. Yes. Oh, we could do so, so much more on this, but I want us to have time to respond. He is our inheritance, ultimately. That's what we get. When we look to heaven, see, we love the idea of heaven, that there won't be any more suffering, no more tears, no more parting, no more grieving, no more goodbyes. All who've gone before us will be there. We, we, we love that. We can kind of, because it's tangible, we know what suffering is, we know what lack of suffering is. We, we know how sad goodbyes are, so we, we kind of have an idea of how happy it would be if there aren't any goodbyes. And, but actually, all of those things, we're terrible people. We would get bored even with that. We would get bored even with no suffering and no tears. It is only him who makes eternity worthwhile. Eternity is a scary word, even when you put it in front of blessedness. Eternal blessedness. Eternal is a scary word. It only becomes a joy when the one who you are given as an inheritance is an eternal lover, an eternal treasure, an eternal joy. He himself is our inheritance. I remember once in Buxton, we were singing the song, it's an old song, um, has the chorus, Come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, it's an old one. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We're singing like that. Come, and my initial thought is just come to our meeting, come among us, be at work among us. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We're singing like that. And then suddenly I'm thinking, actually, that call right at the end of Scripture is a call for Jesus, the longing. Oh, come to us, Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. It's one of the earliest prayers in one place in the New Testament. It's even in Aramaic, that Maranatha. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord. Come among us. Come. Actually return. Finish all this. Come. The longing of our heart. Come, Lord. And I'm beginning to touch that. And then the thought comes to mind, you're going on holiday to Greece in two weeks. First time Becky and I had been on holidays. Our tenth wedding anniversary. First time we'd have a holiday, just the two of us. We were going to Greece to Skiathos. We had this nice hotel booked. Come, Lord Jesus, come. come. Oh, two weeks' time, maybe. It doesn't didn't scan. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Two weeks' time after the holiday, and suddenly the. Your heart is exposed. It's easy, it's easy to long for Jesus to return just before you go into the dentist or just before the exams. Oh Lord, return, return, return. I want you to come. Basically you're saying, I don't want to face what's in front of me. To be saying, come Lord Jesus, just before the best, something wonderful that this world can offer, just before you know England get through to the World Cup finals, and you know we've got a hundred percent record in finals, World Cup finals. Everyone we've been in, we've won. So chances are great, you know. And you're thinking, would we be? The- oh, come, Lord Jesus, now. He's our inheritance. He longs for us. It's fun at the end of the Bible. It finishes with that. The bride is saying, come, Lord. The Spirit says the same. Why would the Spirit be saying, come, Lord? Because is the Spirit separated from Jesus? No. The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit is longing for the completion of all things when there is no longer any constraint in our giving ourselves fully to him and in our ability to fully receive his fullness. We kind of take steps towards it. We'll never be there fully until that last day. We live with longings. We live with those longings. It just is the way. We still... Fail and we still see things through a glass darkly. One day, we will know him as we're known. That is the great hope. That's what we're going for. If it, it needs to be a hope now. It needs to be our longing now. What are you longing for? Oh, for him. I want us to long for him. Baptism in water is is us saying we're not our own we're yours baptism in water is a picture of us dying to ourselves i am not my own that is dead now the life i live i live by faith in christ i'm now hidden in christ in god that's where i am that's where i belong that's what baptism is. Die to self, we're His. Sense of baptism in the Spirit is us then being totally open to receiving Him. Baptism in water is like I. I am my beloved. Baptism in the Spirit is, and He, He is mine. We don't want any constraint on that, either side. We can kind of take such little steps. I'll give you this much, this much, and I'll receive that much, that much. I just want think God really wants to blow that out of the water and just say, "Everything, Lord. What do you want from me? I want everything, Lord." Here I am, I'm thirsty. See, this is not a selfish thing. This isn't just us in our cosy huddle having no effect on the world. Actually, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. It doesn't then just say, and you'll be satisfied. Then it says, rivers of living water will come out of you. You go from thirst to being thirst quenchers. We're those who are give ourselves wholly to God. Our lives are not our own. He's going to use our lives. Then once they're out, his. He can use them for his glory in all sorts of ways out in the world. When we're open to him, thirsty come to him, rivers of living water come out of us and we become thirst quenchers, not just satisfied. The world needs a church that is wholly his in practice and is longing for him and nothing else that doesn't play the same games as the world it doesn't get caught up in the same worries let me read you this okay? reading this this week uh, tried to read it to Becky this week and couldn't without tears so let me see if I can do better this time it's an old hymn Loved with everlasting love. It's not a great tune, but the words are wonderful. Written by somebody, Irish guy, became a pastor in Dudley, Birmingham, and then in Brighton. Died at the age of 39, but had written this. It was published the year before he died, actually. Loved with everlasting love. Led by grace, that love to know. Spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. O oh, this full and perfect peace, O oh, this transport all divine, In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. Things that once were wild alarms, Cannot now disturb my rest, Closed in everlasting arms, Pillowed on the loving breast. O oh, to lie forever here, Doubt and care and self-resign while he whispers in my ear, I am his, he is mine. His forever, only his, who the Lord and me shall part, ah, with what a rest of bliss Christ can fill the loving heart. Heaven and earth may fade and flee. Listen to this. Heaven and earth may fade and flee firstborn light in gloom decline, but whilst God and I shall be, I am his, he is mine. I love that line, whilst God and I shall be. Isn't that good? Whilst God and I shall be. I tell love. they don't even have a sentence with it's just me and God. Whilst God and I shall be, I am his and he is mine. I'm yours, Lord. You bought me. You made me. And I remember that moment I gave you my life. I'm yours. Here I am. Do whatever you want. And then, I'm so thirsty for you, God. I long for you. I just want you to come. It's you I want, Lord. And you have said that you're mine. You. I mean, in fact, who would dare have thought that? We have to be careful. We're out of our depths immediately. We start thinking about that. We have no claim on God. We didn't make him. We didn't buy him. There's nothing in our good works, are filthy to him. Heaven recoils like a cat that brings in a dead mouse. And it kind of, oh, what's he brought now? There's nothing we can bring to gain God. It is purely that the Bible says the Father has given the son the son and the father has given the spirit he himself will be our inheritance just respond now just want a bit of time to respond can we just stand up maybe let's stand up If, you, if you're if you a Christian, you know a moment when you gave your life to God. It can be hard. Sometimes we would have very different stories. Faith sometimes comes slowly. But there will be a moment where you just knew you were able, even if it snuck on you over time, you were able to give your life to God. I just believe God wants to remind us of that. Maybe you've never done that. And this deal seems really quite weird. He gets you, you get him. Life in all its fullness. This is eternal life that you would know him. That's what Jesus said, that they'll know me. That is eternal life. You get to know him. You get every spiritual blessing in Christ. Get life in all its fullness. But you don't get you. He gets you. Okay, you don't get you. It's just reminding us of that now. There is treasure here. Oh, there is treasure here. And it's worth giving everything up for. Selling the house. Giving away everything just to get this field. There's treasure here in this place now, this moment. There is treasure here. Just reminding us, come, Lord. Where longings, where longings have been dulled by drinking from polluted pools. And tasting of what the world offers. I just pray, just take that away now, Lord. Let there be a purity of longing for you here in this room. Purity of longing and thirst. Anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. Out of him will come rivers of living water. By this, Jesus meant the Spirit. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Let's begin to sing. We're going to worship. Just so I know the Spirit comes and does business with us. Okay? He does. Come. No constraint. It's all give everything to him. And then don't put any restriction on what he gives you. He won't give you anything bad. He will not give you anything bad. He will just come now. Pray, just lift your hands. If you want to, we have got a lot of time, but You'd come forward if there was an appeal now. If you're feeling like that, just lift your hands before God. Just lift your hands. And just sharing, as we were singing that song earlier I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. There's a sense of God wanting to run to us. That it's enough for us. We don't bring anything. Just to love Him. It's enough. He wants to rush to us. He wants to rush to us. Now come. Lord, you know what's happening in each heart. You know what each person's offering. You know the fullness of the response. Now I pray. Feel this word. He will not disappoint. In this deal that you are making with God now, He will not disappoint you. Pursue him. It's not just in this moment. We're going to finish now. We're going to leave this meeting. This deal you're making with God stands. Seek him. Tonight, praying, let him come to you. Let him run to your arms. Let him assure you of his desire for you. He set this whole thing in motion. We wouldn't have dared say, how about you being us and us being yours, Lord? He did it. He wants us. He wants us to want him. Come, Lord. Come on, each one of us. We do love you. We love your ways. We love the things you say. We love how you won our hearts. We love how you pursued us and got us so that we once... They gave our lives to you. We just want to give it all to you again, Lord. Amen. Mm